How to control real estate without owning it? Oh yeah, on today's episode. You are listening to the Champion Hustle Podcast. Play to succeed in business and in life. Featuring Levi Hunsaker and Ryan Black. Hello there, friends, and welcome to the Champion Hustle Podcast. This is episode number 59. My name is Ryan Black. And my name is Levi Hunsaker. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning. I like your hat. Ooh, thanks. I like your hat. Well, and, thank you. Uh, soon, we should be getting info out on the contest we had. Oh, yeah. Tallying up numbers, and we should have that for you very soon. So stay tuned. And in the interim, uh, what should we have them do in the interim while they're waiting? Ooh, Besides listening to this podcast. While you're waiting, listen to the podcast. That That would be a good first start. Um, but, uh, you know, I would just say, shoot Ryan an email daily at, (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) Okay. So moving on now that we're, (laughs) okay, let's just go ahead and, uh, let's go ahead and mute, uh, just uh, mute Levi's microphone, please for the remainder of the episode. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, today's, today's topic is, um, it's going to be, is, is good, you know, as you guys know, we you know we always kind of rotate different topics through or categories, I guess, of topics. Today is is another real estate one, and I just want to reemphasize. I know we've mentioned it before, but the the importance of of real estate for everybody. Like you know, we don't really care what business you're in, what industry you're in, what it is that you're doing, uh, as long as it's something you enjoy, right? It's because there's lots of ways to make money, lots of opportunities out there. What we encourage you to do is. If regardless of where you're making your money, once you have that money or as you're, ha- as you're making that money, turn around and invest it into real estate. Because as an investment vehicle for long-term returns, for tax benefits, for passive income, for appreciation, for, I mean, there's all of these wonderful things that come through real estate investing. So regardless of how you've made it, look, take a serious look at real estate investing if uh, if you haven't already, because I don't know, for us, I guess we're biased, right? But for us, it's it's the way to go. There are so many incredible benefits, and that's why we continue. Besides the fact that I mean, this we do real estate investing. It is really beneficial, powerful for anybody and everybody, regardless of you know what you do for a living. Yeah, and and I mean, we're not. We're we're biased. We'll we'll say it, and yeah. and there's no shame around that. But it's not just us. I mean, whether you got an iPhone or an Android phone, just say, you know, hey Siri, hey Google. And now I'm sure that my phones yeah. are going to be going off here in just a second. But uh, go go look it up and say, what do ninety percent of millionaires have in common? And what you're going to find. Money. <laughs> a lot of money. Well, at least a million dollars. That's what ninety percent of. That's what a hundred percent of millionaires have in common. But uh, look up what a ninety percent of millionaires have in common, and you're going to find that it's real estate. And and that doesn't necessarily mean that just because you do real estate, you're going to make a million dollars. You got to work at it. You got to do, uh, be consistent, be committed, be creative. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today is how to be creative in real estate acquisitions and control it 
without necessarily owning it yet so that you can create massive value in your transactions. Yeah. And, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, regardless of how you make the money, you can continue to improve on that and invest and grow that through real estate. And we believe that that is one of the best long-term vehicles out there. And, and truly, the more that you learn about it, the more that you get educated and understand how it works and the different options that are out there, the different strategies, you start to realize, oh, wow, this is not one size fits all. It's very unique. It could be very customizable to you know my specific circumstances, situation, financial goals, short term, long term, all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, the what we're going to look at today, and there are different, you know, different strategies as far as. Uh, being able to control real estate without owning it. But the one that we have chosen to cover today is something called, what's it called, Levi? Oh, what is it called? I, we're going to talk about options and lease options. 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 So it, here's, here's the funny thing about real estate investing. Well, any investing in general. Um, a lot of it is more about recognizing future potential. Yep. What is the highest and best use? What is the future potential out there? If you're investing in companies, you're doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you don't actually know that they're going to go up in value. You are banking on them going up in value. And, and a lot of people just put it into a fund that's managed by somebody else that they're just kind of shotgunning across a lot of different companies and, and hoping that, you know, as a whole, everything continues to go up. Yeah. Well, in real estate, a lot of times you are putting it into a single or multiple properties. So you're focused on uh, potential value in that. But the difference is you actually have control in the future value because there, there are multiple ways of appreciation, right? There's market appreciation. And then there's something called forced appreciation. And when we say forced appreciation, that is done by you creating value in the transaction in some way. And, and how do you create that value? Well, that's where you get to get creative. So you're looking for that future potential. You're looking for that diamond in the rough. And if you can find it, the fastest way to figure out how to get it under contract is going to be the best option for you because you can then take action once you actually have a contract you now are in control of the transaction of the property and you can actually take action towards creating the value that you're talking about and it's a very basic principle but an extremely important one that you mentioned of you must control the real estate <laughs> before you can do anything with it and and some people especially you know more less experienced people newer people they get into the world of real estate investing. They're like, well, I see this opportunity and they do all this research and you know, they start going down the rabbit hole and it's like, what, what are you doing? You don't control that piece of real estate. You're wasting your time until you control it. Uh, you're, there's no point. I mean, you can do some level of research and looking into things and analysis. That's, that's fine. But when people really go in and really start figuring out, okay, how can I force appreciation on this? What can I do? If you don't control it, game over, you're done. You, you have to find a way to control it. And sometimes that's simply, you know, the most common way of doing that would be by putting it under contract. You put the, the properties for sale, you put it under contract, and then now you control it. Even though you haven't closed yet, 
when you have a, you know, a sales, uh, a sales process, the buyer is the one, once you're under contract, the buyer is really the one who holds all the cards, not the seller. So, um, but, but we're not talking about going under contract. We're talking about options, purchase options, lease well, options. So, so the option is a different form of contract. It's True. just not a purchase contract yet. Yeah. So how does it, how does it differ? So an option so in any type of investment, uh, e- even in real estate, if you're familiar with stock investing, you can buy an option on stocks and it gives you the right to purchase, the option to purchase something at a set price. Typically, uh, you will decide on what the price is going to be at, at the time that you create the option contract, mm-hmm. uh, but you are not obligated to purchase. So, so let's say, for example, um, if you're familiar with the stock world, you say you want to buy an option on a stock, you're going to say, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm purchasing the option now, I'm going to give you some money up front that doesn't go necessarily towards the purchase, but I'm going to give you an option that says, I can purchase uh, this stock at $10 per share. And then if the stock goes up, but it only goes up to $8 a share, you're like, Mm-mm, I'm not going to buy that because nope. it's undervalued for what I would be paying for it. But if the stock goes up to $15 a share, you're like, heck yeah, I'm going to buy that stock at $10 a share because I just made yeah. a great deal. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're trying to, in a way, you're trying to predict the future value of something and saying, yeah, I'll buy it at that value in the future if it makes sense. Either way, the option fee that you pay and the option fee can vary, right? It depends on on the on the transaction and the circumstances. The option fee that you pay is is non refundable. I mean, you you're right. paying that money in exchange for the opportunity to purchase at a specific price in the future. So you kind of you have to know what you're doing when you go into it. You can't just like willy nilly be like, "Ooh, you get an option, you get an option, you get an option," right? You'd be like <laughs> giving options to everybody. The <laughs> That's Oprah not a good Winfrey strategy. approach to options. <laughs> yeah, everybody gets an option. <laughs> That's not. That is definitely not. Um, yeah, it's. it's <laughs> you got to be strategic about what options, <laughs> and not everybody would be willing to give you an option. It's just simply one of those tools in a tool belt that can be really, really powerful. And uh, you know, in reality, you say, well, you know, what's what circumstances would would we use an option? I know that Levi, you've got a couple of stories that we're going to go through on today's episode. To yeah, we'll, we'll go that. through a couple of case studies, but, but yeah. let's talk more about what it is and how we use it first. Right. But before diving into that, I wanted to say, well, you know, options can be used on either the buy side or the sell side. So whether you're the buyer or the seller, options can be a good option. Hey, a good option for you. I see what you in either there. in either of those situations. So we've, we've talked a little bit about why an option uh, you know, could be beneficial when we're buying, but why would an option or how would an option be a good option? This is going to get old. <laughs> <laughs> how could an option be a good exit strategy? There we go. If we are on the seller side, what would, what would a scenario be where, where that might make sense for us as a seller? Ooh, so so a, a good one is a change of use. So if you're actually trying to get a property rezoned, um, this is a, a good possibility. If you can get an option on a property, you then control the property and then you can go work with the city and try and get things rezoned. And if you get it rezoned, you did work, you added value, you changed the use of a property. And if that increases the value, 
well, it wouldn't make sense to do it if it doesn't increase the value. If you're doing that, I'm going to call you crazy. But your goal is to increase the value of the property by changing the use of it. And if you can get that accomplished, then you're like, yep, city's approved. Now I'm going to buy it. Cool. But that doesn't even necessarily mean you need to buy it at that point. You might just take the contract and go sell it along with the approval from the city. So there's a lot of ways to manage this, but that's just one example. Another example um, is if you say, you know what, I want to run a business out of this. And if you option it, get the business running and everything's going successfully and you're like, okay, this makes sense to own the property now, then you buy it. If the business doesn't go well, not all startups are successful or uh, are not the same thing in five years as what you imagine them to be in the first place. So right. sometimes you pivot. Uh, maybe it doesn't make sense to buy the property at that point, and then you just walk away from the option. Yeah. You're not obligated to buy, but the seller, when you uh, exercise an option that you've agreed on, is obligated to sell. Yeah. Yeah, once, once they accept that option fee and everything's been executed... They, if you choose to execute or, well, if the buyer chooses to execute, the seller is obligated to accept. Now, um, one, one suggestion on the sell side of when you might, you know, if we're the seller where we, that might make sense. Let's say you've got a, a rental property. So residential rental property. And, uh, you're currently, your current strategy is, Hey, I'm renting it out. Got tenants. You're charging, you know, really good fair market rent. And your strategy is, okay, I'm going to rent it for a year and then I'm going to turn around and sell it. And you're able to do the analysis, kind of figure out where the market is going to be a year from now. I mean, you kind of have to guess, right? You can't tell the future, but you're figuring out where where things are looking at. And you've got a tenant who says, I really like this house. I really like to stay here. You could offer them an option on it. That's going to do a couple things. One thing is, is they are going to treat the house as if it's their house because in their mind, they're going to think, well, I've already bought the house. Like, no, you haven't. You have an option on the house. But if they're in, this, in the process where they're improving their credit or getting you know, to where they can get qualified for a loan or whatever, um, then you can have, you have your tenant, you're still getting your rent. And then you know, once that lease uh, term expires, then they have a, a certain period of time where they can execute the option. And if not, you just got extra money for rent. So you get extra money. The likelihood of them executing that is, I mean, it depends on their circumstances. So you'd want to look at that and see what the likelihood is. But they don't get the money back, and they're more likely to treat it as if it were their own house instead of a rental that they don't care about. Because in their mind, they're like, oh, we have an option on the house. This this house is going to be ours. Well, so we're they're more invested in in the situation, right? A, a renter, they come in, they have first uh, a security deposit and first month's rent usually, yeah. and uh, that that's all they care about. And they they might want to own a property, they might not. You don't actually know with just renters. Now, somebody that comes in and says puts you know five or ten thousand dollars down as a lease option comes in and says, yeah, I want to buy this property. They're more serious, right? They have money on the line. They have skin in the game. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a different mentality because they're thinking, I might buy this property. So I'm going to take better care of it because I don't want it to be trashed when I buy it. 
<laughs> right. So, yeah. so it's just it's just a different mentality. Um, as a buyer, there's something that you need to to do very seriously when you have a lease option. <laughs> You're going to sign of this contract. <laughs> kind of important. Uh, contracts are important, but also important in that process is recording against title. So you need to have some type of cloud or encumbrance on the title, whether that's a notice of interest, uh, you actually file the full option paperwork against the property, you file the memorandum. I uh, Personally, I don't recommend filing the actual option paperwork because that basically gives all of the terms to the deal and it's public record. Yeah. So my, my personal preference is as little as possible. A, mem a memorandum is easy. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to give uh, a lot of information about the transaction. It just clouds the title and says, hey, there's something here. Uh, there's yeah. there's this thing that somebody else has claimed to this title. Yeah. Um, now, this, this works in the United States. I'm not sure about other places. You'll have to look at your local laws. Um, I know this works on deeds. I'm not sure how this works exactly in mortgage states because I, I don't deal in mortgage states specifically right now. Mm -hmm. And so consult your local professionals, real estate and attorneys, and they'll be able to help you figure out how to do that appropriately. Um, but yeah, just make sure that you're clouding the title in some way so that you are guaranteeing uh, that what you have just agreed to gets held up, that they can't go sell the property out from under you if somebody else comes along. And, and that's really the, the biggest risk there, right? Which yep. is very easy to mitigate because, you know, I could say, hey, Levi, you want to buy my property? Here we go. Give me 10 grand. Here's your option fee. And then I go to somebody else and somebody else. And I just got, you know, 30, 40 grand selling all these options. I don't record them. And then I turn around and actually sell the house to somebody else. If you are not recorded on title, if you don't have an encumbrance there, the title company is going to look and see, okay, cool. So he sold the property to this person. Um, maybe there's some you know, bank liens or whatever on it. Okay, that's taken care of. And then you come back a year from now and you're like, okay, I'm ready to exercise my option. Along with the other three people that I sold options to. And like, oh, sorry, I don't own it anymore. <gasps> you don't? Nope. Now, I wouldn't do that because that's unethical. And well, it, I, 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 honestly, I personally I wouldn't do that, but there are people who will do that. It's, <laughs> so it's you illegal have to protect too, yourself. right? I mean, oh, yeah. A, yeah. a lawsuit is going to quickly get some people into the hot water over that. Uh, do not do that. Be honest and ethical as you're doing your, if you are the seller in an lease option, yeah. honor the agreement that you made. Yeah. It, it, it's that simple. Like, do, don't be looking for ways to cheat the system. You made an agreement, honor the agreement, have integrity. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's that simple. It, and, and from the buy side, right, while, you know, if that were the scenario, if that did happen and you had a lease option, you had the paperwork, could you take the person to court and get a judge to overturn it? Probably. The question is, do you really want to go through that legal battle? <laughs> do you want all the time and expense and headache of going through a legal battle to get it executed? Why not just record on title? So that when the title company goes to transfer ownership, they say, "Ah, uh, nope, this is encumbered. We can't. Uh, we can't do that." Yeah, I mean, or, I mean, seriously. or at least you're diving deeper. If the person who sells the property doesn't go through a title company and they just transfer ownership themselves, and then in the future somebody else goes, you would be protected under 
uh, their title insurance. Like, I mean, you can dig, you can go really deep down the rabbit hole on this. The important yep. thing is make sure you're recorded so that you're protected. And and if you know what you're doing, it's a simple process. You show up at the courthouse, at the clerk's office, and you just file the recording. And it costs what, like ten bucks, fifteen dollars yeah. in in Utah. Yep. Um, it's it's not expensive, but it's a <laughs> a good insurance policy for the investment you just made. So. Um, so yeah, you know, when you do have a lease option, obviously you can look at you know different strategies. You could occupy the space yourself. Uh, maybe you're going to sublet it to to somebody else. You do short term rental. Maybe you know you doing which some is type kind of, of a subletting. Yeah, but, that's uh, true. But yeah, I mean, you're just looking and saying, well, hey, let me try it before I buy it. <laughs> yeah, right. Take a test if, drive. if you're going to run a business out of it, this is a, this is a try before you buy situation, right? Yeah. So you're you just hey let let me try this short term rental thing out. I, I leased it. I have an option to buy it. And if everything's looking good, uh, then and and cash flow is awesome, then hey, let's buy this property. Or maybe you're using it to kind of keep things on the DL, right? Stay stay off other people's radar because you have a plan for something that you want to do, but you don't want to raise any red flags or let, you know tip people off to what's going on. That's actually a strategy that uh, that Walmart uses, where if they are going to um, build a new location for their Walmart stores, right? Uh, once an area finds out, oh, a Walmart's coming in, then property prices skyrocket around there because people know that's going to bring in you know jobs and commerce and and all that stuff. So one of the things that that Walmart does is they do an anonymous. Or they do all their market research, obviously, to figure out exactly where um, they want to build, and then they bring in kind of anonymous shell corporations, so just random companies that they create, shell corps. They come in and negotiate purchase options on the land, and so um, nobody suspects anything. They're like, "Oh, okay, it's just random companies coming in." Once they have all the purchase options. And they've been able to get it zoned how they want it to be zoned. Then they execute on all those options, purchase all the land, and now they have the space for their store. And they do that because they're allowed. That allows them to avoid paying, right? Because if people are like, "Oh, Walmart, Walmart wants to buy my land," oh yeah, oh oh, did I say it was listed at one fifty? I'm sorry, I meant five hundred thousand, not one fifty, <laughs> right? We're talking the multi-billion-dollar corporation. Yeah, that you know what I mean. Eight hundred. My land is eight hundred thousand. Why not one and a half million? I mean. Oh yeah, I, I forgot. Right, because there's dirt underneath the the house. So yeah, one point five. That's worth more. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Oh, and it has a great yeah. view of the mountains. So it's actually <laughs> two million. Right. So you can see very quickly how why Walmart does it that way because they're able to go under the radar. Nobody suspects, and then by the time anybody knows, it's too late. They already have the yeah. options. <laughs> if if people are paying attention and they see Walmart LLC or Walmart Inc. buying up a ton of properties, uh, the the yeah. last guy to help to hold out wins big. Yep. So instead, <laughs> and they don't want to pay big. <laughs> no, they they basically just go in with all these different corporations or these companies that are set up for the express purpose of buying property. So it doesn't look like any one buyer is collecting all this property in a co-located space yeah. and then once they have it all locked up under options they can buy it 
And if they can't get every single option, well, they just walk away and find and find a new space. So very covert, very strategic. It is, and it's it's all about recognizing the value and what you want to do. And this is more about them trying to be, uh, what's the right word? Uh, trying to get the best value on the or the the best price on the property for the value. Right, so they sure. already know uh, that they want the Walmart in this general location. That doesn't mean it has to be in a specific exact location always, but they know it's a general location, and so they want to make sure that uh, they want to find the best value for the land to make the deal possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so really, lease options, man. Such a useful tool, right? Such a useful tool in the in the tool belt or in the arsenal to have. Not the best. Um, I mean, it's not the best choice for every situation, but like any investing strategy, the more tools that you have, the more the more options that are available to you. Then, man, you can really uh, you know really make things turn out well for you. All right. So we talked Walmart. That was one case study, uh-huh. and uh, you know we might ruffle a few feathers with this next example. Um, we'll just say we're not going to get political here. That's oh. not what this is about. We are examining a case study of a real estate transaction, and some of you have already probably guessed what we're going to be talking about. Um, we are going to be talking about a Trump strategy, yep. and he he has been known to do options and lease options in the past to create large real estate transactions. Yeah. So one of one of the the most notable ones is uh the Trump World Tower uh near the UN. Um that property New York City had restrictions on how high a property could go based on the amount of square footage of the land underneath it. And they wanted to build these these uh, this higher rise luxury apartments, these condos or co ops, and uh, they couldn't build as high as they needed to to make it a profitable deal. And so they started looking at okay, what options do we have? Well, the the interesting thing is, according to the New York City uh, bylaws and things like that. Uh, air rights were considered part of the contiguous square footage. So as long as you had air rights to all the properties around it, that counted toward the square the square footage that you had, and you could build higher. And so he went in and said, "Okay, I'm going to start negotiating with all of these properties next to me." And so he basically started going into adjacent properties. He had to start right next to the property because if you don't have a connection to the property, it doesn't count. And so he had to go to property owners around him and try to get the air rights. And so he was negotiating. Um, he basically went in and said, no matter uh, what price we agree on, I'm going to give everybody the best price. So if I go and I, I uh, negotiate to like $50 a foot with you, Ryan, and then go to the next person and negotiate $60 a foot, I'll come back and say, hey, Ryan, congratulations. You're actually going to get $60 a foot. Does that make you okay. happy? Uh, if you yes. thought you were only going to get fifty, yes, more money is yeah. good. You, you got more money, so you're you're thinking, yeah, this is a good deal. 
And so it's it's under contract. You have the option, but then he went back and made everybody whole, so that there was no, um, I guess, frustration over different people getting paid a different price. And so he just went down the line until he had enough air rights to build this Trump World Tower as high as he wanted to build it. Mm. And so he basically just went and purchased all these air rights. Um, it, buying all the land was not necessarily something that was going to happen. There was a church uh, nearby that they they would be probably willing to sell the air rights, but not willing to sell the church property. So that sure. was just not going to happen. Um, the nice thing is for people in that area, uh, they don't consider air rights to be very valuable. Um, just because they have no use for them. The, right. Their building is already built. Uh, they don't need any uh, air above where where their, their stuff is built. Um, this can actually be something that's useful for uh, something like a beach view as well. You might want to buy the air rights so people can't build something higher in front of you. And so, mm. you know, there's just different things. In this case, he was buying up the air rights to give him more square footage to allow him to build a taller tower. But in addition, it also saved him the view because people can't build in front of his building either. Now, I, I don't know what the view is surrounding Trump World Tower, maybe a view of the, the UN or something like that. Uh, but he was actually able to create a deal through negotiating options with all of these other places by finding the value, by creating a way, getting creative and creating a way to build what he actually wanted to build to have the value that he wanted to create. By buying so, air. Buying air. Buying options to air. Options to then air. allow you to buy the air. Yeah. So, so the bottom, bottom line is be creative. <laughs> yeah. Use, use these as ways. And, and we mentioned uh, early on in this episode... You were telling me about a deal that we talked about right before this, and, and you were thinking, oh, crap, I saw this deal a year ago. I could have totally used this strategy yeah. to potentially convert it. And it was a commercial property yeah. that was right next to a big residential area. So maybe that could have been multifamily residential, high-density residential, like townhouses, or, or even just divided it up into houses. But it possibly yeah. could have been converted and you know you could have changed the use, changed the value of the property just by getting an option on it. And so those are, those are some good ideas, but there's no end to what you can do as long as you get creative. Yeah, yep. The more you know, the more you can do. So yeah, oh well, we learned. <laughs> Next time that type of deal comes along, I'm going to remember. Yep, <laughs> and be or ready. move on. Yep. So, uh, anyways, I hope you guys have, uh, have enjoyed today's episode and, and the topic. Uh, we have a, a simple invitation for you, and that is, uh, you know, let, let someone know this week about the podcast. Share it with them, somebody that you think would benefit from the, uh, you know, the information and the knowledge and the, the fun that we have on the show so that uh, they can be edified and, and learn a thing or two and grow their business or improve their life. So, yeah, do them a favor and share. Say, hey, check out this podcast. So go ahead and, and do that this week is our invitation for you. Next week, we have a very special guest that's going to be joining us. Oh, yeah. And we are going to be talking about you, your health, and your business. 
So that is uh, somebody that's a very, very special guest to us. He's going to be joining us. So we will see you then. And in the meantime, go buy some options (laughs) and have a great week. We'll see you then. (laughs) Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Champion Hustle podcast. For more great content and to join our online community, visit us at championhustle.com. You look like an alien. You look like a bug. <laughs> yeah, look at my happy hands. These are my option hands. <laughs> this is my buy an option hands. You look like a bug. That was pretty cool. <laughs>